Welcome to season four of The Culture of Kindness. My name is Nahala Summers and I am your host. A culture of kindness is based on the idea that by bringing kindness into leadership, we reduce stress, anxiety, make happier workplaces, and in turn, improve the bottom line for any organization or institution. It is a book, leadership program, accreditation, and of course, this wonderful podcast. Kindness has been my life's work since I founded the social movement for kindness back in 2012 called Sunshine People. And it has kept me interested on what people have to say on the complexities of kindness ever since. The guest lineup is exceptional. From politicians to social media influencers, best-selling authors to BBC presenters, an eclectic mix of people who all have completely different views on kindness, how we get it and where the world is currently at. If you enjoy this episode, then please do show your support for kindness by subscribing to the podcast, leave a five-star review or simply invest in the book, aptly named A Culture of Kindness, available on Amazon. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much, Karen, for coming and being a guest on the Culture of Kindness podcast, season four. Uh, It never surprises, it always surprises me every time I uh, say that, uh, that we're on season four already. But so you're in some great company. Uh, Really excited to speak to you about a number of different things, but particularly about your film, um, the Be Kind movement. I'm definitely going to be getting in touch with over the coming weeks to see how I can support them um, and what we can do together, because I think they're looking great. So I'm really excited to speak to you more about that. But before we go there, um, I'd love to ask you about who you are and uh, and what makes you happy. Well, thanks for um, having me on your podcast. It's such a great opportunity to get to talk about things that I matter, that, uh, that matter to me really um, so I started out life as a professional violinist um, just I've worked for loads of different orchestras and um, even done things like backing Sting and uh, Kanye West as well as a lot of ballet and opera and stuff so that was always the thing that I did you couldn't have dissuaded me from wanting to do that they tried but um, my dad was a musician and asked me not to play the violin. Please don't, but I did. Um, And then eventually I got to the point where I started writing about um, music um, in fiction. And then I kind of, people kept saying, oh God, that'd make a great film. So I was thinking about that and I'd always loved films, watching them with my grandmother all summer. And so then I went to London Film School and... um, and did a writing degree, a master's in screenwriting. And and now I'm still a professional musician, although you wouldn't know it this year. (laughs) Um, But I started making films because it was so hard to find a director who treated the writer well and respected my vision for the work. And, And so I thought, well, you know what? I can have a go at it and Uh, So I started making short films and now I'm working towards my first feature film, which should happen in the spring. So, yeah, so that's where I'm at uh, at the moment. Brilliant. So what are the things that really make you 
happiest? Um, I think actually making other people happy, <laughs> weirdly. <laughs> it's sort of, I just, yeah, so it, it, this year of no music, to be honest, I, I don't play for myself. I, it's something I discovered this year is that I like seeing an audience, hearing an audience, engaging in it and seeing the happiness that creates. So so that's one thing I've realized about music this year. And and yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think it's seeing other people happy. So if it's throwing a party and cooking for them or giving them a hug or giving them the gift they want or changing something, I, I, yeah, it's it's, yeah, that's that's my motivation. It always has been, unfortunately. <laughs> but then fortunately, you know, I'm a huge believer that um, actually when we concentrate on the happiness of others, it actually brings us a great deal of happiness, but also it will support our communities and society that much more when we focus on others first, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there's a number of religions, uh, Buddhism being one of them, that has that kind of theory that we should just focus on others first. Yeah. So no, I, I love that. Um, so so just to establish, so you've you've kind of stopped doing your music now. That's that's kind of gone on the back burner, is it? Well, I was, you know, I mean, in a normal year, I would have been just about to start working on the Nutcracker at uh, with English National Ballet. That's what I usually do for around a month at Christmas. But because of the pandemic, the entire music industry has just shut down. And so I have not been employed in music since uh, January. And, wow. and so it's not really a choice on my part because I find, I mean, one of the things that makes me happy is playing music but not on my own, but being with an orchestra and part of this massive collaboration. I, I think there's almost nothing as amazing as being in a massive symphony orchestra, preferably with a choir as well, like a big Mahler symphony where you, there's, or an opera, there's just so many people involved and they all come together. And me on my own, I can't do that. And, yeah. and so um, that's been the heartbreaking thing, I think, this year is not being able to, go and see my friends and play with them and so yeah I, I've put it on the back burner in that I don't have some driving ambition in music anymore because I've done so much um, and it, and so my driving ambition for what to do next is making films because I, I'm not a one-dimensional person and I can sit in the violin section and I enjoy being a part of that but I have my opinions I have my desires to change things. Um, so, so I'm in um, committees for the Musicians Union trying to make life better for musicians in general. Mm. But most people in the world don't want to know what someone in the middle of the second violin section at the ballet has to say about music or art or kindness or anything. Um, whereas as soon as I stepped out of that comfort zone and started making films, you know, here I am talking to you you know, probably wouldn't have met me if I hadn't made my film. And so my driving ambition is to be able to say something mm. and to have some way of being heard, um, mm. as if I think what I have to say is important. But I guess every person's, I, I think that's the thing I, I fear is so many people don't have a voice. They have thoughts and, and things that don't matter to people in power. 
Mm. But if every, everyone's voice could be heard and shared, then we might have a better understanding of each other, I guess yeah. is how I see it. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. So COVID has changed things. I mean, ultimately, it's kind of pushed your direction into something else. But, mm. but how has COVID and that change? And, and I'm, you know, it's very interesting you talk about that camaraderie of the orchestra of everybody coming together and and I think there was a real and I pro- probably not for yourself but I think people underestimated the importance of the coming together of people mm. we took yeah. it for granted in many ways to be in the company of strangers and yeah. to be in the company of just the ability to walk down the street and be almost brush past somebody Mm-hmm. You can't do that now without, you know, upsetting somebody quite seriously. And um, and so I think there was this kind of underestimation. But how has that affected um, the arts in general? You know, COVID, the arts, you know, that whole conversation, because it's been quite, you know, edgy, hasn't it, really, I think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's highlighted a lot of things for you know, my colleagues in the arts is, is one, how precarious our situation, it was precarious anyway. I think that was the terrible thing. You, know, you could have loads of arguments that we, about whether we should be paid more and, and the fact that it was so difficult to get work. And, um, but this year has really done that because you know, more than 30% of music um, musicians have had no government support whatsoever. And the same in the film industry, there's this kind of, in the film industry, there's a requirement in order to avoid uh, production companies having to pay people, um, you know, for their pensions, healthcare, all the things the government says you have to provide. Instead, what they've done is force the freelancers to become limited companies, which then made them ineligible for the money. Um, So that has, really highlighted the injustice of that situation because those people are desperate now but then you know as as a musician I have friends who have literally been suicidal because you're losing your livelihood you're losing your method of expression of how you express you know your personality through your music but you're losing your social life as well because we all you know and and I've noticed like even today (laughs) I've been trying to, I've noticed I replicate the urgency and excitement of being called. I used to get called like maybe at midday and someone said, could you be in Birmingham by, you know, two on stage? And I'm like, no, but I can be there by 2.30, you know, and it's just, and, and that, and so now I get ready for a Zoom meeting and, you know, I get dressed and I put makeup on, but I do it at the last minute. Like I've just been asked as if I didn't know I was going to meet you. <laughs> I was just so I'm trying to replicate in the excitement of going out and just and and for me because I'm a freelancer I would arrive and I wouldn't know who I was going to be sitting with and it could be someone I haven't seen for five years because we all work in different places yeah. and you, the joy of unexpectedness and oh yeah the and spontaneity that we're missing now and I think for musicians and artists to not be able to express themselves is is all they're doing they're they're trying to communicate and to be locked at home not able to communicate with anyone 
in that sense is is you know the zoom call doesn't do it and we yeah. try and play music together but we all have to play individually and record each track individually and then put them together and that's not the same thing no <laughs> at all. no that's right so um Yes, it's been it's been really terrible. A lot of people are in a terrible mental health state. You know, yeah. it's really bad. Yes, there is the the power of the people is definitely being uh, recognised as being underestimated. I think, isn't it? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, so wonderful. So I'd love to talk about uh, your film the Be- and how that came about, the Be Kind movement, how it came about. Kind of talk to me about that journey of the film developing, why, how, you know, you kind of went from music to film. There's, there's such a big jump. It's so, di- you know, it, it, it is very different, you know. Uh, so do share uh, where that came about. Yeah, so... Um... I think I, I did say at the start of this conversation, it was a, a case of I started writing and then I had, I, I think it's a, when you go to film school as a writer, you're given this impression you've got to find a director and they will use your work any old how they want and create something that is better than your vision ever could be. Um, most directors are men, 90% of them by the time, you know, start out 50-50 at film school, by the time you get out into the world, it's, 10% um, of women get to direct. And, and I went to something at the BFI Film Festival, um, Gina Davis of, um, oh, I've forgotten the film now, the two women who end up off a cliff at the oh, end. Oh, Thelma and Louise. Yeah, Thelma and Louise. Yeah. So Gina Davis has an amazing organisation about sort of to represent women and children, girls in, in film, on screen, doing things, that will inspire them to realize that you know you can be an airline pilot if you want to be you can be a director you can be anything you want um because that's not represented on the screen mm-hmm. so i went to that and i was sitting next to a, um, a cinematographer accidentally uh tanya frymouth um and we started chatting and i said oh i'm trying to find a director and, she, and, and and it was just one of these moments where she said well why aren't you directing it and and then I went on and I just thought, yeah, and I'd been working for this guy, this director who really wound me up and was quite difficult. Um, and I just thought, yeah, why don't I do that? So I, I did. And I, I, I made my first film, Rachel, which was terrifying. And that was a, a really tragic, sad story about religion and, and some, a girl dying and the family disagreeing about her funeral. It was a terribly depressing experience. Um, but came out very well. And, and then I was looking around, I, I didn't want to write another depressing film. Mm. But then we had the Brexit vote and, and I started seeing people being just racist and, and, and the intolerance and that, that. And, I, and I was like, what, what can I, I was so angry about the whole thing, about the way it created this antagonism and rejection of People like, you know, my sister-in-law is French. You know, I just, you know, it's so hard to see people like that. And I could see it on the streets. And then, um, so I wrote this film, Approval Needed, which is um, where I wanted to make a film about a character that everyone would hate. 
everyone. And, and so she's a traffic warden because even my most right on sweethearted friends, you know, they're like, can't stand them. I hope something bad happens to the character. <laughs> and, and I wanted to create a film where at the end you would have sympathy for this person that is universally hated. Um, mm. And so that was my starting point. Um, and so, and yeah, and it was to try and sort of highlight what is going on and, and to just maybe reach even one person mm. who would say next time they meet a traffic warden on the street, they'll be nice mm. or at least <laughs> patient and think this is a person because you put someone in a uniform and it's like they don't become, yeah, they, they cease to be a human being and it's a distancing thing. So, so yes, yeah, so I wrote Approval Needed. And in the story, it's this bit of magical realism. So she she ends up friends with a um, self-checkout machine in a supermarket, um, which is where the approval needed part comes from, because I hate them. And so I was like, that's the thing that I want to kick. <laughs> and because I, I hate the way they, they replace human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, I refuse to use them usually because I think a human being is, that's the relationship I want. I want to say, oh, how was your day to someone at, at the checkout rather than a machine. So yeah, so it's about that. And then, um, sorry, I'm whittering on a bit. No, but, no, you're um, not. It's fantastic. Um, but luckily, um, so what I did with the script is it, it um, I, I submitted it to Talkies Community Cinema, which is local to me. Um, they have a, a small grant that they give out as a commissioning to sort of to help people make the films. Um, and I won that commission um, and the obligation was to do the work in the area to so return that to the community and show the community. Um, and so we filmed the whole thing local to me. Um, all the money that they gave me went back really. I gave money to the school and the supermarket and the, and the cafe we filmed in. We, I bought breakfast for the whole crew um, yeah. and yeah, so all that money went back. And then I actually raised the majority of the money through a Kickstarter campaign, which to be honest is the very embodiment of kindness <laughs> because I both my well, all my films have been done that way. And it's um, you know, to be honest, there are strangers who've given money because you have to present it and explain what you want and you have to try and win people's hearts with your little film about what you want to do. But the majority of people who supported me are friends, people I've known for decades. And and it was just really humbling and and wonderful that, you know, you just think, well, will I ever be able to raise this money? Because I wanted to pay everyone involved as well to not just, you know, because there's a real pressure on short films where it's like, if you're a good producer, if you can get everyone to do everything for nothing and just give you things. And I think that's the wrong approach. So... Mm. So I raised enough money, but due to the kindness of my friends, really, that they facilitated it. And they and, you know, one of my friends, um, I tried to give the money back because I was like, you can't afford to give as much money as you have. And she she was like, no, I don't have a family. You're one of my best friends and I'm going to have my name on something forever. And I'm, and it's something meaningful. So I want to do that for you and for me. And I was like, wow. <laughs> so, and she's done the same for two of my films. And I, I'm just like, 
uh, you know, I think back to when I met her so many decades ago in America. And I remember her saying she didn't like me the first time she met me because I was this kind of English woman in like overly dressed up and very 80s with big shoulder pads. And she was just like, oh, who is this woman? And yet now she's supporting this film about some poor traffic warden getting abused in North London. And it's just, I just love those connections of how people travel with you and your story. So it's nice. Absolutely. And also that um, assuming when we look at somebody with the big shoulder pads and make an assumption of them that we won't like them and they actually become lifelong friends. There's a there's a story of kindness in there somewhere as well. I love it. So as I listen to you, I just hear, you know, kindness stories coming out and more and more, you know, there's just different facets of it in different ways. So where can people um, watch your film be part of it and I guess as well uh, yeah let's talk about that first you know where can people watch some of your films um so approval needed is now on the talk is community um cinema uh, youtube page um so they've just put it up because at first it went through festivals so it's it's been to Mississippi and New South Wales and in Australia and it's just been all over the place um and but now they've they've put it on their youtube site um be warned there is quite a lot of swearing because people aren't nice to traffic wardens and then they pay it forward to everyone else afterwards in my story (laughs) um because it is about how you treat someone badly and you don't you you kind of walk away from that but they take it with them for the rest of the day um so you can see it there um but the the best just the most amazing outcome for me was that um, Festival Formula, who um, took the film to send it out across the world, they kind of managed that for me. Um, they're talk about kind people; they're lovely. <laughs> but um, Katie, um, who runs that, had met um, Pramila, who runs the uh, the Be Kind movement, mm-hmm. at some place maybe a festival I don't know but she had said oh <clears throat> for your school's program um you know I've got this film on my books which is just coming out with the festivals and maybe you would want to see it and so they got in touch with me and and now they're taking the film into schools as part of their workshops for trying to promote kind of empathy and kindness amongst children um which is definitely the place to start because you that's how you're going to have some nicer adults um so for me, because when I when I first made my little Kickstarter video and I talked about how I wanted to try and change little bits of the world with a bit of, you know, with this message. And now it's it's not just going to disappear after the film festivals, it's going to schools. And it's just like a dream come true to me that it's it's actually going to be used that way with all the swearing beeped out and it's kind of funnier with it that way because you know obscene gestures with blurring over them and I'm sure little kids will just find that hysterical so absolutely I was going to say is it going to get beeped out is that what's going to happen it was going to be my next question yeah Uh, so tell us a little bit about maybe for those people that aren't familiar just the be kind movement and what that's about um you kind of touched on it but there's a lady that heads it up I think you talked about there and yeah maybe share a little bit about that so people can look it up and support them accordingly yeah, so, the, so the be kind movement um they are they're just 
about promoting those moments of kindness and and helping to yeah so if you start with children then I mean from my perspective I have two sons who are they're grown up now but what I've noticed amongst children and 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 basically amongst adults is that if you are if you have kindness and you feel loved and secure when you're tiny you take that forward that that gives you the strength to handle everything else that comes your way and the the people that I have known who had traumatic or disturbed children you know were not were not treated well when they were very small mm. are, f- are more likely to fall apart later or or just not be good to other people because it's you know it's so I, I think the be kind movement are just basically they're going to to schools they're running workshops where they'll show films um that are thought provoking and some of them you know there are there are bits about my film that it's quite unpleasant to see someone being racist to this poor woman yeah. um, and her having to take it and be polite but it, it's it's sort of shining a light on those things and so the films that they've they're showing are, are not necessarily easy and happy films and but they they can give they can open a conversation and and a, a child can be you know like well how can you be kind to your friend what what act of kindness can you do like who are you unkind to why are you unkind to them or who's unkind to you and why why are they because like one of my best friends was someone who bullied me when I was at school and called me the freak and teased me for playing the violin but only in adulthood after getting to know that person now do I understand where that came from yeah. You know, and, and as children, you you just don't, you're very self-centered. That's your job is to, for everyone to look after you, uh, I think. Yeah. Um, but to teach a child to kind of empathize, it, it does require teaching. I don't think we're necessarily born that way. No. You know, as a, um, so if you don't, so I, so I feel like the kindness, you know, the Be Kind movement, it, it's just, taking a very early opportunity to spread some and to teach um a thought process that that imagines how other people feel yeah. I think that encapsulates it yeah um, absolutely absolutely um I can't we've I can't believe that we've come to the end already I feel like I started <laughs> this about a minute ago this conversation <laughs> and I'm definitely going to get I'll have a chat with you offline um yeah. I'm doing a, a documentary about sunshine people that's slightly longer and so I'd love to have a chat with you about it and uh, yeah. what your thoughts are and and around the power that kindness has so i mm-hmm. uh, love to talk to you about it but I guess to end the podcast I'd love to know what you um what you think a culture of kindness is to you to me it it's it's all about looking at the other person and and understanding that that thing of everyone having their own battle and and seeing beyond even the people you disagree with, even the people you hate what they say, see what, why do they feel that way? And try to, to be like, if you can, it just means really caring more about other people than you care 
particularly about your own happiness. And that that comes at a cost. I have found in my life, I've sometimes gone too far down that road where I looked after my grandfather for years. And in some ways that hurt my children because they had to come along with that journey of, of doing too much for them. So it's sort of, it's, but still I would rather err on the side of doing more than I can than less. And I think if everyone did that, I, you know, I could rest easier, <laughs> like, because often it's the people who could, who have the most power, who do the least. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, it would be if everyone shared everything, that would be kindness for me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Great way mm-hmm. to end. Karen, thank you so much for your time. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely going to be looking up your film, definitely going to be watching that later on today. And I hope those people who are listening will too. Thanks so much, Karen. Thank you, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you have loved this episode, please do share it with others. Pop on and give a lovely review, but mostly take forwards into your life something that can change someone else's. We are looking for the elusive happiness and kindness is the action that can get us there.